Hey, this is Trevor. Hey, this is Eric. You're listening to the Extra Point Podcast, where we bring you everything NFL every week. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Extra Point Podcast. This is going to be episode two. I hope you all enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Eric. Hey, everybody. How you doing? So, you know, digging into the Super Bowl a little bit, um, I, I can say I was really pleased with like the game itself. It was interesting. It was a close game. Um, two very well-deserved teams, uh, both going through, as we covered in the last episode, a very good um, run through the, you know, the playoffs. And I just, I really think that there was kind of some underperformances in the Super Bowl, which led to it being close. I mean, I kind of expected it to be a shootout. So it, it really like surprised me when I saw, you know, these teams going out there and kind of flopping on a lot of drives and things like that. And I think that kind of goes back to, um, you know, how good the teams are, how good the defensive lines played. Cause I think we can all agree that was probably the highlight of the game for both teams. Um, and you just, aside from a couple of plays from the Bengals, it was really an all Rams game. Yeah, it definitely seemed that way. I felt like both teams were pretty flat coming out, but they didn't see each other in the regular season, correct? No, they did not. So, I mean, you know, first feel for each other. It just seemed, I don't know, like they were both flat. Yeah, and honestly, like uh, that whole everybody wanting Joe Burrow to win, you know, the game for them and, and him to come through and stuff, it it, it was kind of like – I don't want to say he underperformed, but at the same time, I think we got the same of Joe Burrow that we had all year. His stat line, uh, I think it was like 260 something yards and a touchdown. Uh, it, it really didn't surprise me. And I don't really think it underwhelmed it either because I really think that Joe is a really good game manager. I just don't think that they had anything anywhere else that really stepped up and kind of changed the game. Now I will say Mixon ran the ball pretty well, but I had Sir, Sir Maj Pirine. Pirine only had two carries and had no yards. I, I really thought that he was going to be that change of pace back that kind of made a difference in the game for them. Yeah, and I think he was his two totes were on a fourth downs, critical fourth downs both times, and I think he got denied on both of those. I mean, they just seemed like they were stale from the beginning to me. They scored ten points off turnovers. Obviously, we're going to dig into the pass interference, no call. Yeah, I. those two penalties were, or I shouldn't say that two penalties. That pass interference, no call definitely changed a lot for the game, but I don't think you can kind of put the game on that. I, I really also, but not to get too far into the game with this, uh, Eli Apple, a lot of people are giving him grief, you know, for being on the put on the spot Absolutely. late in the game like that. But let's be honest. I don't think anybody would have wanted to be in his shoes at that point in the game. And I really don't think that you can really blame the game on him. And if you're a real fair weather football fan, in my opinion, if you think that that was the reason that the Bengals lost, there was a lot in that game where they could have, you know, capitalized on a lot of opportunities and failed to do so. Uh, That kind of highlights the big point in the game for them. For me, right after half came out through a 75 yard touchdown pass, pass interference or not and then had an interception directly after that. I mean, I thought all the momentum was on them kind of coming out of that that spot. Yeah, I mean, just to touch up on the Bengals, I feel like 
they abandoned the run when it was working a little bit. And they, they should have been checking it down more, throwing some more screen plays, you know, wide receiver screens, the short stuff. I feel like they they were trying to go all or nothing a couple times, and it just led to some dead drives. Well, I really think that getting the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands would have really helped them. Seven sacks is not good by any stretch. Uh, but they they were able to prove that, like, through other plays, they were able to kind of mitigate a nine-sack game against the Titans and still keep that close and win by a field goal. Now, they did keep this game close. This was a close game. And I don't think that the seven sacks really helped, obviously. However, I don't think they did enough to continue to establish the run. Uh, Mixon's a great tailback, and Piran's a very good number two. Um, and, and having only, I think, 17 carries between the two of them, I think that's kind of a falter. I definitely think they could have handed the ball off more, drew a little more play action. That's how you keep pressure off the quarterback. Exactly. And like you were saying with the screens, the the bubble passes, things like that, you have to have the quick hitters to kind of free that up. You're still going to get pressure no matter what you do with the Rams. But the game plan to kind of get around that, one either didn't work or one was not prepared very well. And I, I think it was the second or the first one. Um, it that Rams defensive line was a deal breaker all year. They, they break everything. Um, there, there hasn't really been an offensive line that's really been able to like completely nullify them. Yeah. I was going to say, let's give some credit where it's due to the Rams defense. I mean, you know, Sean McVay and the defensive coordinator for the Rams, they definitely put together a good scheme, a good game plan and, you know, kept Joe Burrow and the Bengals under wraps for most of the game. Aaron Donald made a case for Super Bowl MVP. And, and, you know, even if he retires, this is going to put him in that kind of aura or that lore of, you know, being unstoppable. He went out and really, like, changed every bit of momentum that the Bengals would get, and he was able to do it himself. I mean, we can't forget Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, both are, you know, Pro Bowl caliber players. Von Miller is being a Super Bowl MVP. This is his second Super Bowl now. I just really think that that was the kind of deciding factor. Uh, you can I say mean, what you will about Ramsey, Chase, whatever those, you know, the blunders and the 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 stalled drives, the the missed uh, calls, if there were any, you know, with that. I mean, we know of one for sure, but really, the defensive line for the Rams is what changed that game. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody can agree to that. Aaron Donald, I mean, he the game literally ended in his hands. Absolutely. And he's been pointing at that ring finger for a while. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like in those big moments, those big players shine. He just stepped up and made the play when it needed to be made. And and he's a leader. He's that locker rooms, you know, I shouldn't say presence, but the, the, the core, the center, you know, that team, that defense is built around him. They brought those ed rush edge rushers in to compliment him. Uh, And, and if this is it for him, hats off to a great career. Uh, probably the best defensive lineman I can say to ever do it. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to take nothing away from Cooper Cup. Heck of a wide receiver, big part of this team. But the game literally ended in Aaron Donald's hands. And I, in my personal opinion, I think that he definitely deserved MVP. I mean, that last third down the Bengals had, Aaron Donald disrupted the play. And fourth down, I mean, he rushed her up and made him just – you know, throw a lollipop into the ground. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I'll be excited to kind of see how things change going forward. I mean, I don't want to get into next year or anything like that, but this Rams team is pretty loaded to the gills. You, you kind of wonder about Odell Beckham. Is he going to come back? Are they going to re-sign him? Do they want to re-sign him? They have two questions at wide receiver uh, mm-hmm. between him and Robert Woods. And it's not because of a, a talent gap. It's because of the torn ACL and absolutely injuries. Injuries. I mean, and the price tag. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. Two ACL injuries as a wide receiver at, at his age is not good. Was uh, it the same knee? Yes, it was the same knee. Right knee, I believe. To me, that's alarming. <clears throat> I don't know if I want to step in and offer Odell Beckham some big money. I don't know how much he's going to be seeking, but now that he has a ring, I'm sure he might have a price tag. Well, to him, I think it's going to be more serviceable. And what does he want out of his career? Is he going to want to come back and try to make another run? I mean, that's obviously going to involve a pay cut. But I do also think that there's opportunities for him out there for teams that are kind of hurting at wide receiver that, you know, they might sign him. I mean, I I don't want to – that's a free agency, you know, topic, but – uh, it's just really crazy to see that happen to Odell, Odell Beckham. And you kind of feel for him. The Rams are one of 16 teams to play on artificial turf. Obviously, the other one being the Chargers as they share that stadium. But uh, I heard a lot of people, you know, kind of questioning whether or not, you know, turf had anything to do with it. Yeah, like um, the conditions on the – It's it certainly looks slippy. Well, it's a non-contact injury and and a lot of ACL injuries happen with that. So my opinion on those, and like I said, I'm no doctor, I'm not into sports medicine or anything like that, but I I've played on a lot of turf and it turf turf does present differences, you know, versus like natural glass and, you know, wet field conditions, things like that. I I would probably maybe guess that it's not as forgiving. At least that's kind of how it feels to me. I don't run full sprint across turf and try to catch a football. So that's a little different, but uh, did have some people reach out about that and, you know, see our our opinions on that. I think that could have played a factor in it, but being that this is his second ACL injury, I do think that it kind of comes back to the structure of his knee. Some people just seem to have that, you know, like Derrick Rose syndrome. I mean, they can't get away from that. They're always going to have knee injuries, bad knees. The structure of their knee's not strong. You know, support's the big thing there. Yep. So let's roll right into uh, the coverage of Jalen Ramsey. Let's talk about him a little bit. So I believe it was, don't quote me, but around 160 yards of, he gave up about 160 yards through the air. I know one was, uh, you know, the no call pass interference, everyone's saying that was 75 of them right there. What do you think, Trev? Well, you're a little under 100 there, and people are calling him, you know, saying that he's the best corner in the in the game. And, you know, truthfully, I do think he is. I think Jalen Ramsey is everything he's, you know, advertised as. It's, I wouldn't say he had a bad game. I, I really don't. In outside of that, that coverage there. I mean, he, he dueled with uh, Jamal or yeah, Jamar, Chase. Jamar Chase. Goodness. Let's not forget. He's human too. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be a shutdown machine every single game. He makes mistakes. Well, and Emotions you imagine high in the Super Bowl. I think mean, about, think about his, his like accolades this year. So every game he is tasked with every other team's number one receiver. So you're thinking in division just alone, he's got DK Metcalf. He has Debo Samuel. Uh, he's like, those are two guys already off the jump that he has to cover two, you know, four times a year. DeAndre Hopkins. Exactly. If you ask me <laughs> truthfully, 
I think he's as good as advertised. And I think he had a pretty good game. That 75 yard touchdown pass, in my opinion, was a little bit of, you know, home cooking. That was BS. He, he, if you watch the video and you go back and, and, and replay it, you can say all, all you want about, you know, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey could have, you know, come back from that. He, he might've flopped a little bit, but if you watch it in slow motion and like slow it down, when, as soon as his face mask is pulled, all of his momentum starts going forward and he's like head over tin cans falling on the ground. Yeah. When you consider that that was also an underthrown ball that just adds to the momentum that he already had running downfield. And now he's falling on his face. I, I don't know of anybody outside of a gymnast that might be able to stop themselves at that point and let alone come up and, and try to contend for the ball there with T Higgins. People don't forget T Higgins is a very good wide receiver. He's big, he's physical. Um, even, even if Ramsey wouldn't have, you know, fell or, or had his face mask pulled, I still think that ball is catchable for Higgins. But I also think that Ramsey still has a much better shot of, you know, having good coverage there. Uh, no one will ever know. I can't say that the whole game is hinged on that. It obviously it was a missed call, but how many missed calls do you think there are in NFL games each year? Tons. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Ramsey, a top tier talent, top corner. I think he played like it. You know, Jamar chase isn't no slouch to cover either. Not at all. Um, but you know, everyone gives credit to Aaron Donald, Ramsey, you know, Von Miller, the big names on the team. This was a team effort. They held Joe Burrow and the Bengals, a high-powered offense. You know, you got Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. You got Mixon. You know, Uzama. All those guys were there, and they held them in check for most of this game. And I think that was pretty impressive. Um, Some advantages I think the Rams had was, you know, having a good pass rush with those, you know, Ramsey on the back end. I think that's an advantage, Ramsey. But it was a team effort. I mean, everyone forgets about, you know, the guys that don't have the big names. I think what I want to see next year is a rematch. I want to see these two teams play each other in the regular season next year. And I really think that there's going to be a good game each time. Both are solidly built teams. Both are going to contend. I definitely think that the Bengals are in a good spot for the the uh, AFC North next year. And, you know, like I always say, time's going to tell. We got free agency coming up. We have the draft. I think for the Bengals, they need to really address like retooling that offensive line. You cannot give up seven sacks. You cannot give up nine sacks. You you make this like it's really the story of the game was the Bengals offensive line. I mean, if they had a top tier offensive line, I feel they could have won this game. Different game, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You let Burrow just sit back there and pick your defense apart. He will. Well, Joe Burrow is a franchise investment. He's every marble you have put in the bucket and you're kind of letting him lead you into the dark every time. You can't let him get hit that many times. I think I saw something where he was sacked like 94 times in a year and four games. I mean, people forget he only played four games last year. Like this is professional football. Mm -hmm. That should not happen. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, they also are playing in the same division as TJ Watt. That might have a little bit of a factor. I mean, there's good defensive lines in that division. It miles Garrett's another one, but still unexcusable. You well, can't, you can't get to that point. And I think of it this way, Joe Burrow, they drafted him. That's the Bengals Ferrari. We'll just put it that way. 
and he is getting dinged up. Mm-hmm. You need an insurance policy on that thing. Yeah, and they don't have one right now. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of question marks going forward with that offensive line. I think if they address that and they're able to put a couple good guys in place there and, and get him some protection, there's going to be a lot of success for that team. But that's kind of what it's hinged on. I think everywhere else they're in a good spot. You know, you can add a couple pieces on defense. That's never going to hurt. But, you know, hats off to them on a good postseason run. And they even played a good game in the Super Bowl. Uh, that game could have went either way. Absolutely. It was a great game to watch. Let's flip the script here. I want to actually talk about uh, the Bengals' defense. I mean, very underrated defense. I feel like they kept the Rams in check for most of the game. And, I mean, the Rams have a high-powered offense. I know Beckham went down with the ACL injury. Cam Akers could not run the ball. They couldn't run the ball in general. Well, let's look at it this way. The last four Super Bowls, uh, the winner had at least a two touchdown lead or two score lead. I should say uh, the, the fact that this game was closer one, that's a plus for me. Love better football. This postseason has been filled with close football games. Uh, the, this has also been a, a, a postseason of high powered offenses and for the Bengals to go in there and actually overperform on defense a little bit. That kind of is what kept them in the game. I think, you know, realistically when the offense wasn't really doing that well uh, they were kind of out on the field a lot you know a lot of three and outs in the second half for the the Bengals I just think it goes back to the run game you know they need to find a way to keep the pressure off the defense keep them off the field eat the clock up yes and 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 give that play action to Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is not going to be the quarterback that goes out and throws 50 times a game he doesn't he's not built for that and I he I can he do could. it, but you don't want to. They don't want to play that style of football, and it showed in that game. Like Absolutely, you do not want to just sling it down the field. You don't want to put yourself. No one wants to put themselves in that position. Well, and I think it all falls back on the fact that they're putting him in like a third and long every time. You might get an incomplete pass on first down, and then you get a three yard run because they're kind of figuring you're going to run the ball, and then you got third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. Those aren't favorable. Uh, I would rather have the ball, you know, if even run it on first down, you want to pass the ball on second down fine. But if you get like four or five yards on first down, it's manageable third and four, third and five, third and six. That makes a huge difference. I know it's only three yards, but down the stretch, that's going to make a lot of difference when it comes to conversions, you know, converting on third down. I feel like they get bored. The Bengals get bored on offense. Like they don't want to do three yards, three yards, three yards. They don't want to do that. They want to they'll run it once and try to throw it way down the field. And I just, it's well, not winning football to me. And I know that sounds dumb because they're in the Super Bowl, but I just don't think that's a winning recipe going forward. Like you don't want to play that style and rely on Jamar Chase getting bombs three times a game. Well, and also I should say this. I don't think that they didn't run the ball well, I just don't think they ran the ball enough, enough either. Yeah. Um, the Bengals do run the ball pretty well. I do think they have two good tailbacks. And I think maybe some of that lies in the fact that Joe Mixon has a little bit of an injury history. He was banged up this year too, even. But I do think that a couple more carries in the Super Bowl might have been different um, for them on offense. And I think that would have maybe changed the outcome. But I can't be sure of that unless I saw it. So, 
I think they needed to get the. Sorry, I didn't mean to no. Go ahead. I didn't. I think they didn't include the tight ends enough, and maybe that's because they kept him in the block a little more. But I think Uzama, he's a big target. They could have used him more. I know he was banged up going into this one. Maybe that had a lot to do with it. But I just don't feel like they utilized the tight end position enough. Yeah. And, you know, circling back around the game in whole, I think it was just a slugfest. I also don't think that it was like just a whole game full of Bengals mistakes that kept kept them, you know, in a defense that kept them in it. I think this was a defensive battle in a way. You know, the plays that they did score were like that first drive for the Rams where they went down with Beckham. I think I forget. That was definitely in the first quarter. But going down there and, and scoring, and then it kind of went stagnant for a little while. Um, the scoring wasn't at a, you know, surplus. It wasn't happening all the time. But at the same time, they were both teams were able to control the game with a, you know, a good rush defense and the ability to step up on third down when they need to and stop the pass. So, you know, great Super Bowl. Very exciting. It wasn't quite the way I thought it was going to go. However, the Rams just did what they had to do and took care of business when crunch time hit. Yeah. And I mean, defensively for the Bengals, it just, if you go into that game and you say, we're going to, the Rams are only going to score 23 points. You're thinking I'll take that. You know, we'll take our chances on that. I feel like the Bengals would have probably scored more than 23, but it, it all turns out, you know, they had, but the Bengals had 10 points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. They had that 75-yard touchdown where, you know, Ramsey fell down or got pushed down or whatever. So, well, I mean, the, the Bengals realistically got shut down on offense pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, aside from those big plays, I think running the ball would have helped. I think would have put them in more positions to score. It seems like they were on their side of the 50 most of the, the game. And I also think that that, uh, going forward and fourth down right away in the game, that probably wasn't a good idea. I mean, you're giving the ball to the Rams I agree. I on their side of the 50 soon. or at the 50. That put them in position for their first touchdown. They only had to go 50 yards. I mean, think about it. You got Matt Stafford. Why are you going to give him half the field off the jump with that offense? You're I, trying to stop them and like slow them down. I would be put trying to pin them back as much as I can and make them drive the length of that. And he field. came out with the killer mentality, trying to be aggressive, but you don't want to be too aggressive in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. That was the first drive, wasn't it? I mean, that's just no. That was like the second or third drive when they went down there and scored. I think both teams had three and out to start, um, maybe even two, right. three and outs to start. But then as time wore on, it's it's just like those it's still little too mistakes. Early in the game. That just shows. I mean. I, I'm not going to say the whole game was predicated on that, but that's largely a lot of momentum lost in the first half that is something else could have swung in the, the Bengals way. Do you think that's a coaching gap between McVay and Bengals? Well, happened? I mean, McVay has been there. McVay was on the other side of the field from Bill Belichick and was obviously humbled. Um, but, you know, it's tough for me to say because Zach Taylor is a really good coach and I think his game plan was great for the game. That really for me was probably his only coaching blunder. Like that was outlined there. He's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a little bit, but he does have a very talented team. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities for him to make it back to that game. They, like I said, they just have to build on the offensive line and maybe pull a couple pieces on defense. I just don't, you know, this game was so close. I don't think a lot of people realize 
Joe Burrow in that fourth and one, was it? He gets hit by Donald and just, you know, kind of sails it into the ground a couple yards away. Jamar Chase was wide open. Ramsey slipped or fell or something. I mean, that could have been the difference in the game if Donald didn't get there when he did. It puts him in a position to get down the field and tie. That's what they were doing at that point in time was trying to stay alive. I mean, I think when they got the ball with that last drive, it was like a minute and 30 left. Well, that would have made it 27-23. Well, if they would have scored a touchdown, yeah. I'm just saying going down there, like my thought was that they were going to go down there and kick a field goal, tie it up, and then go into overtime. That's kind of what I was thinking. And it's been the rhythm of the postseason this year. It's like every game was like that. And the more you look at it, I, I can't say I'm not happy with how it went. Obviously, it was a great game. I uh, would have loved overtime, but at the same time, I actually don't really like the NFL's overtime rules. Trevor was looking for a shootout of the ages. Yes, I was, and I wanted McPherson to send him to the promised land, like I said. But uh, Harambe's going to have to wait another But we year. can't all get what we want, no. but the Rams did get a victory in Super Bowl 56. So we do got to talk about Matt Stafford and that offense. Obviously, handicapped with OBJ going down. But Cooper Cup, boy, did he shine. Yeah, they set up and made it, you know, what they needed it to be. And and all honestly, like for Matt Stafford to throw two picks and just maintain his composure and continue to, you know, kind of keep on the right track, uh he he they didn't even get much of a running game either. I mean, it was really all on him. He threw the ball 40 times, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And the, the and interceptions that first pick, though. That was early. Yeah, and you know, I think 40, 40 passes. This is, I always say this. So you can have quarterbacks that people are like, oh my gosh, they threw two, t- or two, yeah, they throw two interceptions or, you know, an interception in multiple games. Well, when you're throwing the ball double the times that a normal quarterback is, your chances of co- or throwing an interception have doubled. So if you throw two, but you still throw in three touchdowns and you win, I really, all honesty, he's put that, offense on his back and i do want to defend stafford here for a second one of his picks you know it still counts as a pick you know yada yada but one of those was a punt i mean realistically he took a shot in the end zone it got picked came back out to the 20 no harm no foul yeah and they didn't like i said they didn't get much help in the running game cam Akers only had 13 attempts for 21 yards that's not saying much not that they had like this overwhelming rushing attack the whole year they haven't really had a bona fide running back outside of like Darrell Henderson for, you know, some of the time, but it's been a three man platoon there with Cam Akers, Sony Michelle, and, uh, and I just said his name, Daryl Henderson Jr. Um, it, it has been Matthew Stafford's offense and it's been predicated on the fact that he's been able to find Cooper cup, you know, constantly. I think that goes back on O'Connell and McVeigh for being able to drop good game plans to put Cooper cup in positions to get open um he runs great routes he's a mismatch for a lot of players they can put him in the slot match him up with a linebacker safety and that's already a mismatch to begin with and you got to account for a lot of their you know their receiving core think about it next year if they were able to sign back odell beckham jr now i don't know when he's going to be back it might be extended time and robert woods good luck good luck you have fun with that that is a higher powered offense um I was watching their press conference today. They were all, uh, you know, doing a little drinking, celebrating. They did mention three words that, you know, every fan wants to hear. Well, if you're a Rams fan, and it was run it back. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? 
think they do you think that they can afford to bring them all back or at least a majority of them well most of those guys i think that they need to do is go clear their hangover and then talk business a podium in the middle of la drunk as a skunk after a super bowl parade can't take that too seriously no not even in a little bit i don't think that's really you know a good look for them <laughs> um yeah, you can say run it back. If they do, I think they're going to compete. But at the same time, it's anyone's game. It, this this postseason showed that it could be anyone's game. It's and so hard to get back there. Absolutely. I mean, New England, obviously, that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. We've never seen a team go that many times in you know that span of years. Could they get back there? Absolutely. They have the talent to do so. I just... It's a tough road. Everyone knows Well, that. let's think of it this way. So 2017, we're Eagles fans. We were really looking forward to that team coming back the following year. They were loaded, you know, even during the regular season prior to all those injuries. And they brought most of that core back. Yeah, injuries happened again, but look at how tough it was. Yep. It just goes to show that it's the big game. You never, excuse me, you never know what kind of, you know, things you're going to run bounce into. don't go your way. And you're eliminated in the wild card round. Oh, yeah. Bengals miss that field goal. Titans get the ball in back or whatever and go and score. That's their season. Yep. Same way with the Chiefs there. So, you know, ultimately, you know, to wrap up Super Bowl, I definitely think it was great. I think it was the game that everybody wanted to see. Um, I just don't think it was what everybody had expected to see, you know, in terms of people thinking it was going to be a shootout. But, you know, kudos to the Rams. And I am super excited for football to start back up because I'm super sad that it's over. Yeah, just congratulations to the Rams for winning Super Bowl 56. So, yeah, moving on, um, you know, looking at the free agency, uh, we're going to be kind of focusing on the the teams in the divisions to the east in the NFC and AFC. Um, And I guess we can start with the AFC East, you know, starting at the very top right off the get go, Buffalo. Um, I think they're primed for a three-peat. I think they're they're going to have a good team again next year, obviously built around Josh Allen. Um, you know, one thing I think that they're going to need to address is the fact that Emmanuel Sanders could walk. Um, you know, being on a good team, he might resign, but, um, you know, bringing in a middle-of-the-road wide receiver might not hurt them if he does walk out because they're going to need to replace some production. Yeah, I feel like it couldn't hurt uh, going after an offensive lineman here if, you know, any of them strike fancy to them. Yeah. And I think that's always a place where you can kind of retool and add to the team. Um, I don't think for the bills, it's going to be really replacing anybody or trying to fill any gaps. I think it's more so going to be improving what they already have. Um, they were, you know, right there. I definitely think they were a team that was contending for a Super Bowl this year. Um, but, you know, looking forward with that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the, the, the bills really do have a good outlook going forward. And I think Josh Allen's going to be the focal point. So I think it's just build around him, add that protection um, and just kind of retool that defense and see where that, that, uh, you know, team takes them again next year. So what do you think about the running backs? They got, they got Singletary. I think Breda might be up on contract. Isn't there another one? I'm not thinking of. Yeah. Um, let me think here. Well, I know Singletary is definitely a really good option. Um, that you know they actually kind of performed really well this year, um, splitting that you know in sort of like a platoon. Obviously, there everything is built around Allen there, so I think definitely having them. Zach Moss is another good one. That's the name we couldn't think of there, but you know they're kind of built really well on the offensive side of the ball. 
I definitely think that running back, if they can bring those same guys back, I don't think that's really big of an issue. Um, being that so you think they're happy with that tandem. Yeah, I do. I would be. The production was there this year. They were really competitive. They were able to run the ball really well. Uh, with, with Allen being the quarterback that he's developed into, I think that also takes pressure off of the running game. So it for me, I think that I'd stick with that. I, I wouldn't change a lot about this team. And, no. And, Upgrade on the offensive line. I mean, they still have Dawson Knox. I don't mm-hmm. see Diggs going anywhere. I think he's going to be there for a very long time. Uh, the running game, I agree with you. I think it's fine. Don't fix what's not broken. Well, and you have Diggs, Beasley, <clears throat> Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, those are all good receivers outside of Emmanuel Sanders. So, I mean, if he does walk, then then I kind of I, I wouldn't Isaiah, be upset leaving him walk. I think McKenzie, I think he's up too. That could hurt them if he if they let him walk. He's a good special teams guy. Um, I think they might try to keep him. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> the thing for them is going to be to keeping keeping what they have together. You know, kind of moving forward with that. That's going to be a really big deal. But on the the defensive side of the ball, I really think that they're you know set really well too over there. They're not too bad. And Micah Hyde is kind of the focal point of that defense. They have Tre'Davious White and. I, I, Harrison Phillips is also a really good defensive tackle. So him at Oliver there in the inside, I think that's going to be a good, good defense to build around if they do lose anybody. And I really think going forward, like I said, they should just keep, you know, what they have together. Yeah, and they have a good the heart and soul of the team to me is the linebacking and they have Milano and Edmonds. Edmonds is six, five. He's a monster mm-hmm. in the middle of the field. And they're, uh, you know, they got Tredavious White out at cornerback. I mean, he's as locked down as it gets. They do have a good core. Yeah, Levi Wallace is no slouch either. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to see what they do in the, the free agency here, what kind of pieces they bring in, who they lose. Um, you know, time's going to tell. But, you know, my free agency outlook for them, it wouldn't be anything to panic about. I think they have a really good team. They have a good coach. And I think that, you know, the future is bright for them if they can just keep the ship moving the way it's going. Yeah, I think they still hold most of their picks for the draft. And we'll get into that in some later episodes. But obviously, if they just add some pieces from the draft to the quarter that they already have established, I think they'll be just fine. So next, uh, moving on to New England. Yeah, and New England's another team that I think that could compete for the division. I think that's the only team. That's going to give the Bills any kind of fight there. Um, but, you know, looking forward with that, they do have, um, you know, pretty decent offense. I think the thing that they need to address is having a good wide receiver. I think that's going to be a really big thing for them. Um, you know, Matthew Slater is uh, going to be a, an unrestricted free agent this year. So I don't think that's really a position where they're not, you know, super worried about who they lose. But I definitely think they need to add a piece. Um, I'm going to say it now and I don't know what their cap room is, but if they can bring in somebody like Emmanuel Sanders or um, Alan uh, Robinson, yeah, or, or even uh, Devontae Adams, I don't know if they're going to spend the money for him like that, but Alan Robinson and, and Emmanuel Sanders would be two really good options. Um, you know, they don't lose a whole lot this year, but they do lose uh, Jamie Collins. He's a pretty good role player. Uh, Devin McCourty is going to be one that they need to get back in house, I think, um, and their right tackle Trenton Brown. Um, that could hurt. Those are really big guys. They're also losing Dante Hightower. But otherwise, I mean, it's not, you know, too much of a loss there. They're not really losing a whole lot. So I think looking forward, it's going to be, 
you know, re- replace what they do lose if they can't get them back in house. I, I never say that that's a problem with Belichick though, any of his staffs or anything like that. They have always found a way to make use out of players that you want or either getting later on in their con or their uh, careers or finding guys that you've never heard about and making something out of them. Um, I think it's the, the process and the, the system they have. For me, the offensive side of the ball, I think they're solid at tight end. Obviously, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, mm-hmm. uh, the running back, Damian Harris. Um, I know they have a plethora of running backs there. I think they're stacked up there pretty well. I agree they could use another receiver or two. Um, What's that receiver? that Jacoby Myers. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that he's a good accent piece. He's not a one to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they could bring in an Allen Robinson if they want to spend the money at Devontae Smith. As far as the defense goes, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a, an edge rusher, a corner. I think if they're going to sign anybody like that, that would be a big deal too, bringing in somebody. If they're going to let Hightower walk, they definitely need to fill a replacement for him. Right. Um, you know, and I think that one thing that would help somebody else being in that position would also, like you said, being in, bringing in an edge rusher, another defensive lineman, uh, to kind of take some of that pressure off of those linebackers, make their life a little easier. I feel like um, they never filled the gap that they created by letting Gilmore go. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think also at that point they kind of had to. It was it was getting to that point where uh, the one thing that I've seen the Patriots do really well is they know when to get rid of players. Yes. They know when somebody is about to like clock out in their career and they milk everything they can get out of those guys and then let them fade off into the sunset. Except for Brady. Well, Brady he's a breed of his own. Of but one that does come to mind is the kicker, Goskowski. Great. Absolutely great for New England. Mm-hmm. As soon as he leaves, he was terrible. Well, and I think average was, at best. Going back to the Brady thing, and I know it's probably unpopular. People are going to be like, oh my gosh, why is he saying this? I think it was time to let him walk. I think it was time to find a replacement there. I think it was time to close the book on that chapter and things didn't really drop off. I mean, the Cam Newton experiment didn't go too well, but I think he was ultimately a bridge quarterback. Mac Jones has turned out to be what they kind of needed. He fits that system. Um, And I think going forward, that's going to be the big deal. They're going to have to build around him and Damian Harris and, you know, try to put a competitive team out there. And I think they were like a wide receiver away from, uh, you know, moving on to that next, that next uh, level in the playoffs. But for them, I definitely wouldn't panic as well. I think it's just going to be bringing in some new pieces and making sure they fill anything that they lose. Uh, moving on, we got uh, the Dolphins of Miami. Yeah, and they're actually going to lose a you know, significant amount of players here. Will Fuller is the one that comes to mind. Um, that he, He's a really good number two option for them. And I think that it's kind of going to hurt not having him around um, unless they can bring him back in. And this new coach, I don't know. I don't know anything about him personally. I don't like the signing. I don't like him. Um, I don't think it was a good He's just option. unproven. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I'm kind of critical on those things. So, you know, forgive me for that. But more uh, of a get out there and prove it. Yeah, and I'll exactly. You. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, I just think that for them being in the kind of shadow of everything with Brian Flores is going to hurt them. And like I said, I predict this team to finish in the fourth place in the division. Um you know, unless they can make some giant splashes in free agency, but it's going to have to start with bringing these players back. They're going to need to get some of these guys back in house. Um, losing F- Fuller hurts. 
Um, and I think on they are losing four. My biggest loss for this team is going to be Emmanuel Ugba. He's he's a solid defensive end. He's a really good edge rusher. Uh, has a good motor, and I really think that he's one that really you know anchored that defense around they that they anchored that defense around this year and were able to find success. So I I really truly think that you know getting him guys like him Fuller um Justin Coleman back and like Mike Mike Gusecki Mike Gusecki's a really good offensive weapon for them and if they let him walk I just think that they're hurting themselves so I think for a lot of them it's going to be getting these guys back in in house um and they're de- definitely going to have to make some splashes uh with, with everything that happened with the Flores deal and everything like that you don't know if people are really going to want to go there so time will tell and and as all things are, it's just going to take a little bit to unfold and, and get comfortable with this coach. Absolutely. I'm excited to see what Mike McDaniel actually does there. I wasn't a huge fan of the hire, but you know what? I don't want to knock anything until you try it. I think I have the opinion of Tua doesn't throw the ball very well with what he has there. I feel like he had, you know, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, you know, Kasicki. Um, some receiving backs. I feel like he does have weapons and he still wasn't succeeding. Maybe they'll go like kind of like a Lamar Jackson type deal there, like power QB power run, stuff like that with Tua, maybe roll him out a little bit more, use his legs instead of his arm. The problem that I have with that is Tua can't stay healthy. Um, it, it just comes down to whether or not he's going to be able to be durable enough for that. Tua does have a good arm to an extent. I just don't know if Tua has been in the right position you know, to, to kind of succeed there. He he had a really good second half of the year, opened some eyes, gave himself a chance. And I think that's still his job. And maybe I, the coaching change helps him. Yeah, true. I mean, look at what they were able to do with uh, San Fran out there. They had a pretty good offense uh, predicated on the run. So that's going to be kind of what you're looking at, you know, going into the season. How, how much pressure can they take off of Tua? Uh, what kind of weapons can they put around him? And, you know, what are they going to be able to do with the defense? I think they need to solidify the offensive line. And I do think they need a better running back. I'm not a huge uh, fan of Miles Gaskin. I don't think he's a between the tackles guy. I think he's more of a receiving back. Just my personal opinion. And then defensively, I mean, you can't go wrong with a D lineman, another linebacker, something of that sorts. I think they have a good core to build around if they get a solid draft. And free agency. They're going to ask a lot of questions about this for every team, and I'm going to keep saying it. I think this is going to be one thing that we have to verify each team for this player. But, you know, could Devontae Adams end up in Miami? Warm, sunny. You know, it's it's Miami. Waddle on the other side of the line of scrimmage? Yeah. I mean, is it an option? You think that it could be potential? I mean, I don't rule anything out in the NFL because (laughs) – there's been some crazy stuff happening in the last couple of years, but we'll see. Yeah, I definitely think that could be. As Trevor says, time. time will tell. Yep, I'll always say that. That's my <laughs> my phrase. All right, um, so moving on. Yeah, we're going to look at the bottom dwellers, the basement dwellers of the division, uh, the New York Jets. I definitely think that with the first two round picks in the draft, that's going to be a good you know opportunity for them to put space around or uh, players around Wilson. Uh, but I think going ahead of you know, free agency here, we're going to have to look at what they can replace because they're losing some, you know, solid players. They're losing Marcus May and Jamison Crowder. And I, losing Jamison Crowder is one big option for Wilson aside of what they already have. I mean, he 
he's kind of the focal point of that offense outside of, you know, them being able to run the ball with Carter and, you know, moving forward. I think that's guy you definitely have to keep in house and they're going to have to add a lot. They're losing also Keenan Cole. So there's two receivers that, you know, accounted for some production there. So what, uh, what do you have left at that point? Elijah Moore? Yeah, rookie? pretty much. And your option to have like uh, Michael Carter receive out of the backfield, which I think honestly, he was like an unsung hero for that offense for what they did have. I mean, it wasn't very good to begin with, but um, he, he definitely showed some signs of, you know, talent and athleticism. I think that those are the kind of things you need to build on. They need a lot of places you know, to address. They got a lot of positions to address. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to beat up on the jets too much. They get beat up enough, but it's not an attractive place to go. So no. if they want a Devonte Adams, you know, an Allen Robinson, one of these big name players to go there, they're going to have to break the bank. Cause that's the only way that someone's going to want to play there. Yeah. I think it falls less on the f- uh, free agency. And I think it's going to fall more on the draft for them. I wouldn't put all my ducks or my eggs in the basket here with the free agency because, like you said, there's just not a lot of, you know, enticing, you know, opportunities there in New York. So we'll see. Time I mean, will they, tell. The, the Jets have been in a downward spiral for many, many years. Since the Rex Ryan days. I will say it. I'll <laughs> many, keep saying it. The old butt fumble really ruined everything up there in good old <laughs> New York. So, yeah, as far as free agency and – you know, a draft, they pretty much could use help at every position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking back on everything, I just think that it's going to be a couple of years for them to rebuild. They shouldn't really worry about winning now or anything like that. And trying to bring in these giant players, I think more so it's going to be role players build around Wilson, uh, get him some options and, you know, see what he can do. I mean, you drafted him to be the future of your team. That's what you're going to need to build around. All right, so moving on, we're going to head into the NFC East with the, uh, it hurts me to say this, but the NFC East champions, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, uh, if it were up to me, I wouldn't really talk about this team because (laughs) I despise this team. However, I cannot argue with the fact that they had a very good team this year. Got to give credit where it's due. Yeah, and like they're going to have a little bit of salary cap issues, but I definitely think that they're still going to be able to kind of retain most of their players. Um, For me, one of the things is going to be losing Michael Gallup. Uh, he's a really good option. And as much as he's been hurt and things like that, I definitely think when he is on the field, he does make a difference, frees up the you know space for CD lamb um, and Amari Cooper. So, you know, naturally one of those guys have to walk. And if Gallup's the one walking here after this injury, then I can sit well with that. Uh, I don't hate him leaving though. I, I think it clears up some cap for them. Mm-hmm. They, they can go out and, you know, get a lesser receiver, maybe someone the same talent for lesser money or draft the receiver, build them up. I don't think they skip a beat with that. Well, yeah, and let's be fair here. They also, Gallup's a role player, so they just need a nice, you know, change of pace receiver, a number three option, uh, or or not even a number three, I would say. Well, yeah, Wilson kind of stepped up. He's been one of their, uh, you know, solid wide receivers as well, but I think they're only going to be able to keep one of them. You know, Wilson's up for free agency as well. And I actually think Wilson had a really good year. So looking forward with that. I kind of overlooked him a little bit. I think he can step into that role. Well, I mean, he he's been, you know, pretty, pretty productive for them going forward. I mean, he's not been every single game, but you know, in, in Gallup's absence, he's really filled that role well. So, uh, if they can get him back in house and pay him a little bit, they'll they'll you know kind of help themselves. I don't think that keeping Gallup is going to be the big option, especially after that injury. 
the biggest loss I think they're going to have this year that they're going to need to keep in-house is Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal is a, a strong player in that secondary, and their secondary already to begin was, you know, solid, but at times very porous. Teams I think he was very under, very underrated this year. Absolutely. And say what you will about uh, Diggs, Tavon Diggs, but he's pretty solid. You know, he, he led the league in interceptions. Yes, he gave it the most yards, but anytime you can put the ball in that offense's hands, that's solid. That's a big deal. I agree, but you don't want to sacrifice, you know, all them yards either. You don't want to mm-hmm. give up three touchdowns to get one turnover. I mean, that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> yeah, and tooth, you know, looking at looking at that defense, we're going to also lose a couple uh, defensive linemen there with them. Um, they're going to be losing Randy Gregory. He's going to be walking in the free agency. I think here, that's so going to hurt if they if, don't get him to stick around. He he needs to. Uh, get paid I think and that's that's kind of going to be the big factor here with the cap issues are they going to be able to pay Gregory but they're also losing Carlos Watkins so you know that's going to hurt to some degree and Leighton Van Der Esch um, so they got a lot of you know key players here key role players that stepped up for them you know the past couple of years they're going to have to make some decisions on who they're going to want to keep yeah I mean Van Der Esch that's kind of interesting to me so he's been banged up a lot mm-hmm. you know and they were some serious injuries. They were neck injuries and, you know, concussions, stuff to that sort. You think they try to keep him around? In my opinion, I think I'd let him walk, clear that cap. I know he's a he's a top talent, but I think, you know, with Parsons there developing him. Yeah, but you can't. So if you take out Parsons, then what do you have? Or if you take out, if you take out Van Der Esch, you take him out of that equation. Now, what do you have? Him and Parsons shared the field a lot. People forget Parsons followed up after Jalen Smith. So Jalen Smith was a pole ball linebacker and Parsons was his like, I don't say replacement, but took the job over. That's why they left Smith go. You know, that price tag was a little high. So if people remember like three, four years ago, it was Vander Esch and it was Smith and people were going crazy. The Dallas fans were excited because that was a really good interior, that linebacking core. Now that you have Parsons in there, it, it, you know, took a spot away. However, if you take away Van Der Esch, that leaves Parsons. What do you have? So, so, I mean, I don't know. I agree with what you're saying. I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, for Dallas, I'm trying to keep that offense together. Mm-hmm. I'm tr- I'd am i rather lose Van Der Esch and upgrade my offensive lineman to protect Dak, to get a better, you know, better production out of Zeke. Yeah, and speaking More time of- to throw to C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Speaking of the offense, they're actually going to be losing um- – Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is a really good tight end. And I think that he's actually one of the more underrated tight ends in the NFL in terms of productivity this year. And it, it would probably be paramount to keep him back in house. Yeah, I agree with that. He was definitely under the radar this year. Um, let's kind of address the defense a little more here. So corners, they're secondary. I mean, Trevon Diggs obviously had the great year with, you know, all the interceptions and whatnot, obviously gave up a lot of yardage, mm-hmm. but obviously he's not going anywhere. He's one of their core guys. They want to keep him. They're only losing one corner and it's going to be Maurice Kennedy. If I pronounce that right. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I definitely think that those are going to be positions that they could kind of pick up more talent. It would help that their secondary was something that really, although they were underrated, there was also times where they got absolutely torched. 
the defensive line was able to put a lot of pressure on people along with Parsons. Um, it's just moving forward. I think that if you're going to shore up anything in that defense, it's going to need to be the secondary. That secondary is, you know, probably the weak point, I would say, of that defense. So looking forward, those would be the things that I'd address and definitely retooling on the other side of the ball, the offensive line, getting back to what you're saying a minute ago. But um, yeah, that that secondary is going to be the focal point of what they need to do in the free agency. So we agree, secondary and offensive line. Absolutely. And I think that you can let Gallup walk. Um, it's going to be keeping those guys on defense that are key players. All right. Moving on, Philadelphia Eagles. Go Birds. So excited for this team. Um, and it, I'm going to be very biased, obviously, as an Eagles fan. Looking forward to what we're looking at. You we'll know, keep it real, though. Well, I'm going to try to. <laughs> but looking forward for 2022, I definitely think there's a lot of positions that they need to address. My main concern for this team is going to be the linebacking core. Uh, they're, Ed, you know, they locked up Edwards for an extension this year, which was really nice, but I think it's time to replace Singleton. He's undersized and he's not fast enough to play that position. Um, people in, in Philly are used to having good linebackers. You know, people remember Nigel Bradham. Um, we're going to go way back to like Jeremiah Trotter days. Like we're mm, used to that. Hugh Douglas. You know, the, the JJ defense days, you know, Jim Johnson was a mastermind. And I remember, you know, just watching those defenses work effortlessly that, it was always because they had solid linebackers. And I think that when you have such a good defensive line, you know, like the, the Eagles still do have, and there, there's still some little things they need to address there. And, and a pretty decent secondary, um, you need linebackers. You need to, you know, piece all that together. And I think that, you know, keeping that and, and, and adjusting there and getting a, a pretty high, high named linebacker would be a really good opportunity for them. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, we also need – we're going to be losing Steven Nelson. Got to resign Potentially. Him. They have, have got to, to find a way to keep him. He was a stud for the Eagles this year. They have got to find a way. Well, I'm comfortable with him on the backside when we're putting um, Slay on everybody that is a number one. It, it it goes without saying that the defense, I felt, spend a lot of time on, on the field this year. So, you know, statistically, maybe they're not as good as what you would think, but – that defense when hot and when, when the ball, you know, they're not constantly on the field, they're solid. You know, even without that linebacking core that, you know, that strong linebacker presence, I definitely think that that secondary as well, you know, pretty good and they can get after the quarterback. I, I, I don't know how excited I am to say this, but I think when free agency starts, I think we need to look into dealing Fletcher Cox. It's just, I think it's time. Javon Hargrave is clearly probably the better option right there right now. And as much as it pains me to say, I think it's time to get some value out of Fletch. So you think get rid of him while there's still some value there? Yeah, I mean, there's still, yes, they made the playoffs, but I don't think they beat one team with a winning record this year. So I think that it's time to, you know, kind of accept the fact that the Eagles are still in a rebuild, clearly, and get Fletch somewhere where there's a winner, you know, get some trade value back for him. Maybe it's some draft picks. Maybe it's a new, you know, another role player, maybe a linebacker or a receiver. Um, you, you just kind of, you have to address those, those things and, and figure out who are you going to let walk while there's still value. Obviously it would be hard to deal Graham. He still has some time left on his contract and he's coming off a pretty major injury. I think get a year or two out of him and then see kind of where he's at after his contract's up. And that's an interesting take, you know, trying to deal Fletcher. 
I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Get rid of them with value. Let's not forget the Eagles have three first round picks. You could pair them with like a Fletcher Cox and bring in a superstar for your defense, offense, wherever you want to place them. Even just two of those picks. I'm saying if you just if you pair that with Fletcher Cox, yep. potentially, I mean, you could land someone big, a big name guy. So, yeah, and you're also unloading some cap space there. You're going to need to do that. Their cap space isn't the greatest. However, you know, having three picks at their disposal, this the disposal, they're definitely going to be able to approach things from a, a couple different angles. Uh, but yeah, defense, I think that's kind of the focal point for them. Uh, looking at the offense, I definitely think that the offensive line is something that you're going to have to address. You know, I definitely think that Kelsey's either going to retire this offseason or will be doing shortly. I mean, after. this loss, Brandon Brooks did retire this year. Mm-hmm. He finally gave it up after all his injuries. Yeah. And honestly, moving forward, looking at that. I think that that offense has a lot of opportunity to be great, but I think that there's still role players that they're going to need. And one of them, you know, they got to address the wide receiver situation. So I think they did just touch up on the wide receivers. Obviously Rager. I don't think anyone in Philly likes Rager. Um, He hasn't proven to be very good, inconsistent, drops the ball. Devontae Smith, I think they hit a home run with that pick. Mm -hmm. Um, He was very good for them. Uh, transform the offense into being relevant. I think well, the question mark for us is, like you said, the offensive line, maybe add another receiver, definitely add another receiver, whether it's free agency or if they go after one in the draft or, you know, even make a trade with some of their first round picks there, compile them. Well, they only have four uh, free agents this year on offense that are going to be walking here. It's going to be Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Jason Kroom, tight end, and Nate Herbig, the guard. And I think the only one I'd want to keep out of that is Herbig. Herbig's a proven utility lineman. He's been able to fill in and play at a pretty decent level for any of the linemen at any position that have felt, you know, fell with an injury. Um, he even has a little bit of time at center. So I think bringing him back in wouldn't hurt. And I don't think he's going to come at a very high price tag. That'll allow you to focus your efforts on retaining what you might lose on defense and bringing in a, like you said, a superstar. Um, uh, Ultimately, it's going to fall on Howie, and we're all going to be scratching our heads until we see how he plays that and how they deal people. Um, Sirianni's system is a little different than what we've had been used to. However, um, it'll be exciting and a little bit of a shift to see how they continue this build because I I definitely think that anybody says that this isn't a building process and that they're not in a rebuild would be a little, you know, lot or I say lying, but a little crazy there because the Eagles still have a long way to go until they want to be, you know, consistently relevant in the NFC again. I mean, they have three first round picks, so I wouldn't call it not a rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. So they've set themselves up for this. This is the draft that kind of is going to dictate the next five years for them. So we need to see how, you know, everything goes, but ultimately I still think they're going to be able to contend in some manner in that division, but Dallas is going to be a tall, tall order. So I don't want to get too deep into this, but Hurts, are we believing he's the guy? Do you think the Eagles move on from him? Do you think they try to trade him? I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I think, you know, from what I see um, in reports from the front office and everything, they keep saying that he's their guy and he's the future. So I guess we kind of trust that and believe it and kind of see where that goes moving forward. All right. So moving on, we're going to talk about the Washington Commanders. Yeah, um, exciting times for them, changing the, the name of the franchise again here. 
So now that they have a new name, they're probably going to have a new quarter. They're going to have to have a new quarterback. Is it better than the Washington football team? Yeah, I definitely think that it's a better name, but but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so let's uh, jump right into the Washington Commanders on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so the defensive line it seems pretty solid. You have Chase Young, nice young talented player there. You have Jonathan Allen. They still have Ioannidis. He's a tank in the middle. Um, Deron Payne. Yeah, it doesn't look like they're losing any of those guys. So, I mean, keeping that uh, defensive line intact is going to be like option number one for them. That's going to be the cornerstone of the defense. And I definitely think bringing back some like role players like Troy Apke are going to help. Um, Apke's a really good, he's, you know, partial to Penn State for me. So that he's a big deal. Um, but, you know, they also have to keep John Bostick. John Bostick's another role player that they have that has been solid on the defense. And I think that kind of goes overlooked. Yeah, he's underrated for sure in that defense. They're also losing Daryl Roberts, Bobby McCain. Those are two options in their secondary that I think might hurt a little bit. Um, there's always, you know, options of the same level on free agency that they can kind of pull back together. So offensive side of the ball. So they definitely got to keep McKissick. I know he's up for contract this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, and Brandon Scherf, their guard. Uh, Brandon Scherf is probably the cornerstone of the offensive line. And they do have a solid offensive line, and they have a decent uh, you know, duo tailbacks back there. But I think what they need to do is get somebody to go opposite of McLaurin, and I think they need to find a way to get Ricky Seals-Jones back. I think he was a really good fill-in at tight end this year. When healthy. Yeah. Well, that whole tight end uh, – committee there was banged up all year and i don't think that really helped uh heinke any better um but with goes without saying are they going to replace heinke are you going to have to i think so i mean he's a generic version of alex smith in my opinion he has a lot of room to grow but i just think that i don't know i just don't think that coaching staff's gonna maximize his potential i mean he has mclaurin there i do think to help him out this year, they have Curtis Samuel. He was hurt pretty much mm-hmm. all last year. He's a speedster. He will open up running lanes, you know, make more room for McLaurin. I think what they need to do is address that quarterback situation. You might see some success there. I don't know if that team is ready to compete with anybody like the the Cowboys, but I definitely think with a quarterback, might make some changes there in games against teams like the Eagles and the Giants. Definitely. That they're a quarterback away from being over 500, I would say, or, or, or 500, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the way that they're set up in my mind is ground and pound play good defense, but they're not, if they get behind, they don't have that option. So Mm -hmm. it really hurts them. Yeah, absolutely. They need to get a quarterback so they can come from behind, get those come from behind victories. Yeah. That's going to be a lot looking forward and what, you know, that team is going to need to do to what to address in the free agency. I think the the keys for me is going to be um, adding some talent there on the defense and replacing your quarterback. Moving on to the giants. Now um, let's talk about the dumpster fire that was. All right. Let's start with uh, Danny dimes on the offense. I think they need to move on from him. Absolutely. I, just, I think he's been given enough chances there and has been unsuccessful with the weapons that he has. I mean, you have Saquon, you have Sterling Shepard, you have Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony. There is potential there to be an explosive offense. I think I forgot Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. For me in the draft, you need to address the line. 
and potentially the quarterback. Yeah, and the thing is, there's not a lot of options for quarterback out there on the free agency market. I mean, if that's what we're digging into, um, there's op- obviously opportunities for trades with Russ and uh, and Aaron Rodgers. I think one of the things you're going to be looking at it, it, in their retrospect is not going to be so much picking somebody up. I mean, if they do, I think some of their better options are going to be like Teddy Two Gloves, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky. Those aren't. Would you go after a Carson Wentz? If they let him go, absolutely. I think that's a good fit for that team. He's a productive quarterback. Um, he's proven to an extent. And, he knows that division. Well, it's got to be a lot better too than um, than Danny Danny Jones. So I think moving forward for them, that that's going to be a really big thing that they're going to need to address. They have a pretty talented wide receiver room. Um, I just like I said in our our coaching you know carousel update, we're going to have to see what they can can do to, you know, to get like a quarterback in there that can get the ball to those weapons. Um, they're not losing any of those guys. And I don't even think they're losing anybody. They're keeping Booker. They're keeping Saquon, obviously. Um, so the sky's kind of the limit there with them. Um, one thing they're going to need to do is look at replacing Nate. So Solder Solder, um, their left tackle, if they can't keep him in house, because he is a cornerstone for their offensive line. He is what, they got pretty much, and he's their best offensive lineman. Um, keeping him is going to be a really big option. And also Billy Price, he's he's going to be a free agent this year. So, um, you know, time's going to tell. It's going to be interesting how they address that line. But it, regardless who's at quarterback, whether they keep Danny Dimes or they move on with someone else, you're going to have to protect what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and moving on to the defense. Um, they are losing some key players on that defense. And that was probably one of their stronger, you know, sides of the ball this year. Um, Austin Johnson, their defensive tackle, that would be a guy that I would, you know, kind of be focusing on whether or not it it requires a lot of cap to keep him. I would definitely keep him along with Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers has really filled into a good leadership role up there. He's young, um, pretty talented. And I think that the sky's kind of the limit for him. They bring him down in the box sometimes, mm-hmm. too. He's turning into more of like a Malcolm Jenkins. Well, think of what they're losing. They're losing him and Nate Ebner. So, it's you know, time's get, time will tell. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do on the defensive side there because they just have so many holes and uh, positions they need to address. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about for that team if they're able to bring a quarterback in. I think that that immediately makes them more competitive. Um, I don't know about the level of the Cowboys. As much as it hurts me to say that about anything Cowboys, I definitely think the Cowboys are the front runners in the division, hands down. Um, It seems like all the other three teams are still in some form of a rebuild. And I think the Giants are just a quarterback away from kind of completing that rebuild Um, and maybe tooling up a little bit on, on defense. My question, when do you start exploring options to replace Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I mean, that's a conversation that needs to be had. Very talented running back, but he is always injured and playing for a losing team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at some point, he's going to want either Buku Bucks to stay there or he's going to want to go somewhere where he can win some games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's not really any good tailbacks in the market in terms of free agency. So, you now they say it. Uh, they're kind of a dime a dozen. I think Leonard Fournette is 100% staying in Tampa Bay. That would be my bet. Um, Melvin Gordon is out there. You know, he's an option. Cordell Patterson, but 
you know, those are guys I kind of see staying put or, or going somewhere where they're going to get paid. Melvin Gordon's getting a little old. He's a little beat up. Um, but, you know, time's going to tell with him. It it just really depends on how much are you willing to give up for a running back. So, yeah, I think, you know, those two divisions, we didn't cover a whole lot of, you know, super deep dives because, I mean, we could go for days on all the, the talented Absolutely. players that are out there in the free agency. But, uh, you know, if you have any, you know, suggestions or anything you want us to cover for those two teams or those two divisions, we'll gladly go back and touch on that in the next episode. We're going to continue next week with the AFC North and the NFC North. Uh, so any kind of, you know, things you want us to cover, any topics, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and, uh, you know, let us know on our Facebook page what what you think we should kind of cover there. You can just let that in the comments or uh, email us at tepofficial at yahoo.com. Yeah, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you guys had a great week. hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl and our uh, episode two here of the Extra Point. Uh, like I said, reach out. Anything you want us to cover, we'll, we'll gladly do it. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode three. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the Extra Point Podcast. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at our email at tepofficial at yahoo.com. And you can also reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Extra Point Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.